you are at the net. And welcome, friends, to another episode of the At The Net podcast, powered by Tex-Mex Productions. Working the soundboards in the back of the house are our producers, D-Mac and Dave the Brain. Time to say hello to your hosts, Craig Bell and AJ Shabria, as they're about to take us through three sets of texts, talking life and all the news as it seems to them. Ladies and gentlemen, Craig Bell. Thanks to our Ethernet podcast girl, Margot Carter, for that word of the night is groovy. That was a groovy intro. That was a groovy intro. Yeah, we got a couple of groovy guests. Yeah, we do. You know, and that means exciting or fashionable. You know, I looked that up online. So these two people are... Craig, you're telling me you had to look up groovy? Well, well one's fashionable. We know that. And then one's... one's uh, well, I don't know about exciting, but we'll just go with groovy. How that for tonight. I love it. All right. The introduction of Margot Carter. Welcome, fans of The Great Game. You're listening to Season 1, Episode 1. Zero eight one one oh eight. Did you well know that? Done, did yes. you know that? I did. We've been standing here for 108 episodes. Can you believe that with me? That's amazing. <laughs> At some point, we'll take a nap and sit down. Huh? Okay. Yeah. Maybe so. Maybe yeah. one day. Uh, Bathnet podcast with uh, AJ Chabry on my left, as always. Right. And with me, as always, to my right, Craig Bell. And we are talking the great game of tennis tonight, as it, it seems, seems to us. us. Thanks also go out to our good amigos at Tex-Mex Productions. That'd be one. Darian D. Matt McBrayer, and we did have a brain sighting again t- this evening. So the brain always works his way into the podcast somehow, right? Dave the Brain DeLeo from back of the house who are on the soundboards. Whether I'm really on the soundboards tonight. You're pretty Moving the dials and buttons to make us look. We're not holograms either, are we? Are we holograms tonight? We are real people. We're real people, huh? Looking forward to this we're, with our guests. We're not in the metaverse or anything like that? Okay. We're, we're, we're good. Okay. I just that see I, i'm going to keep doing that all you know because aj gets a kick out of all this stuff that i i learn all the time so also uh, be sure to like and follow us on facebook which many of you are right there we got a few viewers going with us uh, youtube and instagram plus check out our good work on ready for it here we go Fireside, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. There you go. I did it all in one breath. That's all the important communication sites the kids find popular. Hopefully, Kalindi will agree with that because she's one of the cool kids, isn't she? Definitely. She knows all that stuff right there. And if you'd like to read the opening intro like the uh, groovy Margot Carter, let us know. Uh, girls, uh, guys, sorry. We, we are a pro-female uh, voice uh, uh, intro, aren't we? Plenty of dudes on this podcast. That's right. Well, maybe uh, we'll get Kalindi. Maybe Kalindi will read the intro for us. We you know? need to do Gail. Yeah. Kalindi, you do a voiceover. Send me a demo tape, right. and we'll uh, we'll get it on. Yes, we'd love it. All right, so speaking of Groovy, these two people, they're the uh, father-daughter combination that runs the, the empire known as On Court, Off Court. That would be Joe and Kalindi Denifer. Welcome to the Athenet Podcast. Denifers, we are glad to see you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we're thanks to see you guys. Oh man, this is great. I mean, we've we've been wanting to have them on forever. We we've, we've been yeah. trying to trying to get them and and uh, you know, they were kind of like slippery and we finally finally tracked them down. You know, we got Kalindi up in Maine, is that correct? You're in Maine tonight? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm in Maine. Is it snow on the ground up there? There is currently snow. Yeah, we it was kind of cold and not too much snow last month, but we got like 18 inches a week ago and then another half a foot on Friday. Mm. So, mm. Don't send it this way. I think we, you know, we uh, we had our own we had one winter storm of the year in Dallas, and about you know it about kills the uh, the local <laughs> local uh, economy. I went to the grocery store yesterday. You know, half the shelves don't have anything on the 
you know, I'm like, wait a minute, it's only like 36 hours we're going to be, you know, below freezing. And everybody thinks it's going to be, you know, snowmageddon again like a year ago. And it's like, come on, everybody. It's like, it's not, it's going to be 70 by what, Thursday, maybe Thursday or Friday. It's going to be 70. I think it's going to be 70 again. I, I think like I saw it. Yep. So, but welcome. We are glad to have you all on once again. Uh, like I said, they run the empire known as On Court, Off Court, a company that's been around, uh, I think, over 25, 27 years now? Is it 26, 27, 28? Just going, on, going on 28. 28 years. Man, that's amazing. Because I remember when you started up Encore to Offcore, you were working at Fretz. And I remember that uh, I still had that teaching device, the, the Rope Zone. I still have one of those. I still zone. use the Rope Zone to this very day that I bought from one Joe Denifer back in 1994, probably. I, that would I, be it. Yeah. I love the Rope Zone and the Air Zone and all these mm -hmm. innovative things. Uh, they're such leaders in innovation. And of all the people that have purchased and tested uh, things for Joe, Kalindi has been a part of testing and learning from so many of them. So we're definitely getting yes. uh, into some product stuff and process stuff later on. But uh, as we begin our first set tonight, I want to go to Kalindi, then Joe, and ask you about your background in the great game of tennis. Let's start with Kalindi. Um, well, my dad tried to get me into tennis when I was younger, so some of you, you guys probably remember me as the little kid on the catalog, and it may have looked like I was playing tennis, but if you pay close attention, you'll notice, like, in one of them, the, the ball and the racket are over here, like, over here, and then my head is, like, over here, and I'm wearing an oversized shirt, which was my dad's, and if you pay really close attention, some of the old catalog pictures, I'm wearing Birkenstocks, or my dad's large shoes because I refused <laughs> to wear sneakers as a child. Unbelievable. Um, so, um, so basically, yeah, I, I was into like dolls and dress up and Legos and acting until like age 10 or so. Um, and then, you know, my dad was very persistent and patient and he kept on going, yeah, um, and then, yeah, I think at around 10 and a half, um, you know, one of those times that persistence paid off and what really did it is I actually like, I achieved success and I was able to hit a top spin forehand. And then I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, okay, this is fun. You know, this little kids and I think especially little girls can sometimes have that fear of failure, perfectionism thing going on, and tennis seemed really scary and hard, so I think it took until I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is cool, um, I can succeed at it, this is fun, and then I caught the bug, and yeah, was playing competitively in juniors, and playing tennis, like, all the time, like, living, breathing, eating tennis, um, yeah, until I was 15, 16, and then unfortunately had a injury, like hip injury, and ended up having hip surgery, and then had a series of other nagging injuries as I tried to get back into it over the years. Um, but it comes around full circle. I got into health and wellness, and yeah, I now have gotten back into playing for fun, um, and I'm having a blast at it, and my body's in much better shape. So Tremendous. It's Although... Uh... Um, I think everybody loved those shots of little cute four-year-old, five-year-old kid with the Burks and the lollipop. Uh, it was kind yeah. of a tennis racket, but a more of a hand racket or a little lollipop foam kind of thing. And this is how we learn. And you clearly learn because uh, you're probably a little too humble to admit you became a very, very high-level junior tennis player with, um, I think you were 
uh, chopping up on some Division One college kids too, weren't you? When you were maybe fifteen, sixteen. I yeah, I was well. I, I practiced with a girl who was on the SMU team. She was like kind enough to train with me and mentor me a bit. Um, it's funny. I was like 13, 14, and I, she was eighteen, and I thought of her so old and mature and wise. And now I see like eighteen, nineteen-year-olds, and it's like, oh, you're so young. So I don't know if that makes me old, but yes, I all of the training aids and kinesthetic learning aids. I'm like as far from a natural athlete as it gets. Um, before my dad taught me tennis, he taught me how to skip because you know most kids just pick that up. I did not. Um, I needed it like broken down and um, yeah, but I was very determined to master tennis and had some excellent coaching. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome sport. Sure is Joe. You got to tell us a little bit uh, before we get into Joe's background, give us your thoughts about what you just heard Kalindi go on with. <laughs> she expressed it. As truthfully as it gets, you know, um, she's, she was starting to play some national events when uh, when she got injured, and uh, there's always a silver lining. So she's doing good. Her fiance, uh, Josh Warren, is a coach for uh, four or five months out of every year in the summers up in up in the main area, and uh, is a college coach at a D three school. Um, and very successful record. I actually visited them and watched, and it's a girls' team only at that school, and uh, just wonderful relationships. He does a good job. So it's like his dream relationship with Kalindi because they get to play tennis together. They also play pickleball together. They play table tennis together. Um, yeah, so all, all good. I'm happy, and they're happy. Well, I... I uh having seen Kalindi grow up from the age of four to now, I couldn't be more proud of who she's getting to marry. I just love that kid too, Josh. So I, I totally get what you just said, Joe. It's a dream thing for him and hopefully for Kalindi as well. Well, what an adorable. Wonderful. Yeah, you both are. Um, it's been fun getting to know Josh a little bit. Nice people. Uh, yeah. Convivial. 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 Very convivial. <laughs> that's one. That's one convivial tonight. That's, so, just, that's four. Is it really? You just I... said it four times. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Craig's favorite word. It's <laughs> <laughs> convivial. It's convivial. Do you all know fine. what convivial means? Have you ever heard the term convivial? I stay away from four-syllable words myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm not going to try and pronounce it because I've heard of the word, but my thing is I've, I've always been a big reader, so I know a lot of words, but then I have no clue how to pronounce, pronounce them, it. and I embarrass myself. So I'm going to try and avoid that on this You can You today. can spell it, though, which is nice. Um, <laughs> hey, so, Joe, tell us about your uh, upbringing as a tennis player in Westchester County, New York, and then uh, all over the world. I mean, in, in short, my mom was uh, a bit of a recreational tennis nut. She was somebody who got passionate about whatever she did. I was five years old and just, you know, waiting for her to finish playing in the summers, whatever, and just wanted to play. And she gave me a little racket. And all of a sudden, you know, I was hitting against the backboard and they were shocked and then started, you know, hitting from there, played juniors. Uh, played Division One. I. I joke. Uh, I played first singles, but it wasn't a great Division One in State University of New York, Buffalo. Uh, we used to chip the ice in the spring. There were no indoor courts in those days, or it was hard to get indoor court time. And uh, then I played with Peter Burwash, uh, you know, worked and coached for 10 years 
starting from 75 through 84. <clears throat> and during that time had uh, experience to do clinics, exhibitions, workshops, and traveled to 50 countries. So it was uh, quite a career and then shifted over to teaching up in Dallas and, uh, you know, started the on-court, off-court dream in uh, 1994 through really the curiosity of what, how do we accelerate learning? And uh, I went through clinical studies under the tutelage of uh, Jim Lair and Jack Crapple, how to perform clinical studies. And uh, we did it on uh, to evaluate how people learn best, whether it's through visual, kinesthetic, auditory cues, what sort of feedback they look for, how it works. Dr. Uh, Mike Kernodal was a uh, very important uh, consultant and then uh, worked with uh, people from the Max Planck Institute, which is a sports learning uh, university, and they do a lot of studies. And it just drill, drove everything, really, uh, from there. So I feel very fortunate. Tremendous. Joe, you were such a uh, remarkably successful teaching pro when you were an on-court personality. You mentioned uh, Fretz Tennis Center, which you could argue that it had not just the best junior program in this part of Texas, but also the best adult program. If I recall, you had wait lists on you know, two or three courts and people would like get their own subs. What made you, what drove you to be so successful in that and then leave it and become so successful in this? <laughs> well, you know, one of the, I was the guy when I worked with Peter Burwash, who used to take advantage when I traveled to watch people like Vandermeer and Vic Braden and Pancho Segura firsthand on the court. I would just make that extra effort. And um, Peter was one of the most intuitively um, creative persons at teaching group lessons that I had ever seen. Mm. And he, he had worked previously with guys like Paul Zamp, Chet Murphy, Paul Zampos, uh, Vandermeer, and he integrated all of that. And um, I just, I learned a lot about working with groups and that was one of my specialties. We used to have for the adults, literally 200 people on wait lists for the group lessons that I was running. Um, but it was during the boom years, you know, and that part of Dallas was growing. And um, I turned 40. Kalindi was born. My knees started getting a little bit funny and um, figured, well, let's give it a shot. I wrote my first book um, out of the nine books that I've been, you know, fortunate to have uh, worked with. And, um, you know, it just grew from there in terms of producing products, um, now we have a dozen employees and um, warehousing facility. We bring in containers from overseas. We're about 60 to 70, 65-70% wholesale. Um, we do private labeling and uh, partnership agreements, co-branding with the national governing body for pickleball. We are the global supplier for portable nets and many training aids for head pen and relationships with some you know key companies like that as well as retail and wholesale yeah w want to know if th is this your first employee right here i want those <laughs> these are this I, I like to call these the original podcast yes it's a cassette tape yes. that i would listen to uh, on my commute in the car in a cassette player and it was like a podcast. We want to know if if, if Kalindi got paid a royalty for, for all these. Look yeah. at that cute little kid there. <laughs> That's the picture I was talking about. Yes. Look, I'm not looking at 
nothing anywhere near the rocket or the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I had those in my desk. I had to go around and get those really fast. I'm so glad next, you did. Time, next time I see you, Craig, I'd love to just borrow one so I could record off it and have sure. a keepsake. I've, got I've got, I don't have any. I have the original digital audio tapes. I've got every one of them in my in my uh, desk right now. So. I yeah, that would be a huge favor. I borrow them and I'll sure. put them on digital, and we'll probably share them as free downloads on okay. our. Uh, you know, happy to do that for you. Well, that was a ten year ten year labor of love. Well, episode one point two and episode two point two are right here in Craig's right. office. Well, I just want to make sure Clindy got paid for it for uh, th those. <laughs> she got she got room and board, yeah, <laughs> and free tennis lessons. Oh, and also yeah. free product because how many four year olds can fit into a men's large? <laughs> <laughs> that was like a. <laughs> That was, that was an evening, you know, gown, sleepwear. <laughs> was, was that was the smallest T-shirt we could find, by the way. That wasn't mine. Uh, it was. was, was you were like three years old then, or something. Where, where were those pictures taken at? Just out of curiosity, I know they're. They were taken. Uh, the one, the previous one was her. That one was taken in private court. I used to teach at in Highland Park. This one right here. Yeah, that one. Okay, and then this one was that. Was that Frets? Maybe was that. Uh, you know, it might have been Stando Grand. Okay. Uh -huh. Wow. But fun stuff. I was sitting there going. Or Lakewood. I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. Could have been Lakewood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, that was classic. So yeah. Birkenstock sandals, you know, uh, Reebok tennis shirt, size uh, large. Yeah. Men's, large men's. Men's large. <laughs> Look large on her. I think it was the small, extra small. Uh, that's so cute. <laughs> well, uh, Joe, you did nice work there. Thank you for your background. And we... Uh, stepped foot into the second set where we get to talk about uh, current projects and future projects. I want to continue with Joe a little bit because uh, then we're going to shift over to Kalindi's couple or three different projects. Joe, you mentioned the supply, uh, the containers coming from Asia. Tell us about how your company is dealing with supply chain dynamics in the world these days. If I drank alcohol... <laughs> I would probably, this is water, um, but I don't. Um, it, it's challenging, you know, you, you, everybody's feeling it. Prices are increasing. So, this is raw materials, labor costs are, the dollar's been fluctuating a lot against. And we, I, I wanna make it really clear too, that I work very, very hard to try and source as much as possible here in the United States. Um, for multiple reasons, and it, it just, the fact is, it's just difficult. Um, there are no, now tariffs added for bringing goods in from China. We bring in primarily from Taiwan and China, but we source what we can. There's some products we get from, from the U.S. for sure, and um, we have a, a handful of exclusive arrangements where other people are manufacturing, and we do their marketing partnerships, but um, all I can say is it's, it's very challenging. We have one person who's exclusively our logistics manager, and um, she works very hard. There are just tons of some products that takes eight or nine months to get them in. Others are moving through the ports in Long Beach quickly, and costs are, are going up. And um, hopefully it'll level off in the future, but it's definitely uh, challenging times, as I think everybody knows. True. Um, you mentioned products. I want to shift over to Kalindi. Kalindi, tell us about some of the products that you've gotten to test and use over the past two decades that have made you a really good tennis player. 
Like, and if you want, you can give two or three examples or, you know, yeah. one, or two, one or two or three or four, whatever you like. Um, well, I'll, I'll, a couple come to mind just right off the bat. I've tried so many, of course, but two that I feel had like a really strong impact were the, um, the flex trainer and the spin doctor. Now we have like a more advanced ver version of the spin doctor, the top spin solution. Uh -huh. But at the time it was just the spin doctor, which um, if you're familiar with that one, it's the long telescoping pole with the spinning ball at the end. So you can get a kinesthetic feeling for hitting top spin or slice or underspin. And that helped me learn the top spin forehand that I talked about earlier. And it also helped me learn a kick serve, which I love my kick serve. I still love my kick serve. Um, and it's, yeah. So that, that product is, I really, really like that one. And then the flex trainer, you put it around your waist, um, one band, and then it has like anywhere from one to three bands, depending on the tension strength you want. And the other ones go around your ankles. So it pulls you down to give you the feeling for a lower, more explosive plane height. So coaches are normally used to saying, bend your knees, bend your knees. And it's like, you know, it, they're just words. What does that mean? to a student to actually translate that into, okay, well, but how do I do that? And what does that feel like? Um, so you would wear that for a handful of shots, feel what that feels like. It's also a good workout. Um, and then when you take it off, I always, Federer was one of my favorite players and I always felt like, ooh, I'm moving like Federer now. This is really fun. Like, I feel like I'm flying around the court. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of my personal favorites. Um, but yeah, there's, there's so many and it's, it's cool because just depending on what your individual need is, like if someone's having trouble with a developing a compact backswing, we have a couple training aids for that. We have training aids for learning the proper grip, um, for, you know, more fluidity on the serve or a more, um, compact toss. So kind of whatever the problem is, there's a you know, training aid solution, which is a lot of fun. And I definitely needed all the training aids I could get going back to the not being a natural athlete. Uh, uh, Joe, I want to... A little bit humble. A little bit. People see her. We did, you know, I might just say something that, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, Steve Bellamy founded the Tennis Channel, and he, he was a friend. And he said, hey, I, I hear your daughter's starting to play tennis. So we, we actually did a, a, a series which is a, it was a DVD, now it's a download, called Fast Lane Tennis, which um, is a series of 22-minute, which converted into a 30-minute TV broadcast with the commercials. And we did them, and they were aired on the Tennis Channel, which essentially covered Kalindi learning how to play tennis for the first 18 months with all the accelerated learning aids, dealing with the problems, discussing them in very concise format, because I think, you know, we've created over a hundred unique training aid type products and, uh, or things to facilitate practicing, playing or coaching tennis on court, same with pickleball. But, um, so, she, you know, she's a little humble about it. It was slow beginnings just because she's such a perfectionist and demanding, but, um, you know, she definitely, if you saw, see the videos on our YouTube channel, she certainly looks, looks like she was natural on the court. So. Tremendous. Well, Kalindi mentioned Flex Trainer. 
Um, uh, she also mentioned the spin doctor. Joe, tell us some of the, your favorite inventions. I know me, I, I'll just quickly mention, you know, Craig mentioned rub zone, air zone. For me, that, that grip tutor that, uh, you know, I never struggled with a continental grip. It's all I used from age, I don't know, three to 16. But then it helped me develop more of a real the start right grip trainer. Yeah. Start right. Uh, so that's personally one of my favorites. Uh, forehand fix has been great in involving both sides. Joe, tell us some of your absolute favorites. <laughs> you know, I, this is such a hard question now because we have, like, Kalindi just ran the gamut, you know, um, in terms of getting a feel. We have several products for your toss. Um, this, this simplicity, they basically break down into two categories. You've got training aids, which are kinesthetic primarily, mm -hmm. right, which give a feel. Um, as an example, a lot of people, um, you know, say, the coaches say three things. They say, watch the ball, rack it back, and bend your knees. And coaches are so tired of saying those three things and you got to wonder if the person's saying it with every single lesson throughout the day, every day you teach for years, you got to be nauseated to have to keep saying it over and over again. And you wonder if the student isn't thinking, what am I paying for? They keep saying the same thing over and over again. So there's some, there's a disconnect with yelling instructions across the net verbally when people don't connect with their ears hearing, they don't retain and, and digest that information, as well as the experiential part of it, which would mean getting a feel for it. We have uh, one product that uh, we manufacture that was created by uh, a, a great tennis coach in Hungary, and he uh, it, we call it the back, uh, backswing solution. And it's, it's simply a strap that goes around and pulls your elbows forwards so that your backswing can't go too far because the problem with racket back obviously is how far yeah it should be more racket set depending on the speed of the incoming ball so anything that guides behavior whether somebody wants to go to home depot or look on our website for something that might work so that's one category the second category are visual aids which has to do with targeting Mm. because we know that when people think about their swings and think somebody's yelling, don't take your racket back so high, you know, they're going to tighten up because they're thinking about the motion and it's contained within their own parameters. Much better is to put something further away. If you want someone to take a bigger backswing, tell them to hit further. And without thinking about it, they'll take a bigger backswing. If you want them to take a slightly smaller backswing, feed the ball faster, and they'll have a more short, abbreviated backswing, or have their back against the fence. So if they take a you know too big a backswing, they're going to feel the racket touch the fence, right? So there are different ways to guide behavior. These are called guidance systems, and um, it, it just works wonders. Another thing that you know that I can share, and then I'll. Um, <laughs> be done with, with trying to answer your question is, um, we all know that tennis coaches for years have set up targets on the court. And typically it's a racket cover, three balls and one ball on top, a little pyramid of balls or a single cone. And they'll say, that's your target. But, you know, feed them 50 balls and if they hit it once, they're lucky. 
So how much positive reinforcement are they receiving? And that was the initial project essentially, was to create a successful reinforcing positive environment for learning by creating target areas that people can successfully get into to be reinforced. Because when somebody comes to the court and they're taking a lesson from anybody, yeah. they come at nine o'clock in the morning, they leave at 10 o'clock, what do they need to gain? What is the, the most important thing? And I would say self-esteem. They need to feel better about themselves. Under that umbrella of self-esteem will be fun, feeling successful, making friends, getting some exercise. But self-esteem essentially is one of those human conditions which we all need more of. Good stuff. I know me. If I hit... Uh... Four targets out of a hopper of balls. That's about a 4% success rate. It's so much better when I can hit a zone that was air zoned yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, I even saw Pete Sampras at the U.S. Open on a warm-up court, and somebody sat down like a racket cover or whatever down the center tee, and he didn't hit it the majority of the time, you know? So I always I came up with this 70-30 law, you know, set the target area big enough so that the person can hit in that target zone. At the beginning, it may just be the court. Yeah. If they can't hit in the court, just say over the net. Yeah. So if they can succeed 70%, that's pretty encouraging. It's well more than half. It's good stuff. Craig yeah. has a, a little surprise for you. Uh, we we, we, we uh, have some hand rackets. Yeah, we're, we're learning how to do play tennis with these. Yeah, do you remember these? These. This is my, oh, actually one of my favorite. It's like when you ask me off the top of my head, yeah. like, you know, then you think I'm like, these, and then there's so many more. But, yeah, those are... Those are awesome, too. I, and, and I enjoy it. They're, they're great for hitting yeah, people on the head, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's good for hitting AJ, but do you know why? <laughs> yeah. Do you know the, the why that is a helpful tool for young children or people with disabilities or well, seniors? With foam balls, obviously. Do you know why, Craig, since you showed them? I would think that that would be a lot easier hand-wise movement, uh, eye-hand coordination, possibly. I'm That's a good one. Okay. Now we're switching interview roles. But, yeah. Good. Uh, I, I think the buzzer's about to go. For me, it's I, I want to play tennis as as though the racket is an extension of my hand. That's correct. And this is the next best thing. And I know I, I take my own son at the age of three or four. That kid developed open face, continental grip skills. And the ability to volley and almost catch a ball, the proprioception and the openness on both sides. And that really translated to orange ball and then full court tennis. So I guess pro, that's my pro, answer. Pro, pre, You're not going to get us kicked off, are you, again? What did you say again? How was it? He said like a six-syllable word. What was it? Pro proprioception. Proprioception. That's five syllables. Oh, oh, not too bad. Five syllables. Right. That's better than convivial. That's only four. You know. Pentasyllabic, Joseph. Jeez, man. If you let me tell a funny story in a second, yeah. I, I, with the hand rackets, Clint, do you have any more to add? Because I've got two more that are good. I I thought of another another couple or one specifically that fits into an audio category that we haven't really talked about. It's the Whistler vibration dampener. Yes. Um, so it's basically just a vibration dampener, but it makes a whistling sound. 
down when you swing relaxed and fluid. Um, and it's commonly, you know, it's great, great for kids. I actually, I use it all the time, which was something that my fiance, Josh, who my dad mentioned, he, he was doing that and was like, yeah, you don't use yours all the time. What, what do you mean? And, you know, he's given it to his college students and it's, yeah, it's, it's awesome. So now I use my Relaxed, yeah. all the time, even as a, you know, more advanced player and it's just a little friendly reminder to stay relaxed folks at home if you if you don't know this product if you hit your backhand like this the whistle makes no noise if you hit your backhand like this it whistles kids love it kids love it coaches love it parents may not always love it if it's used indoors I don't love it because I'm standing right in front of you. So I'm going to stand back here for a second. There you go. Now we get it going. <laughs> I saw that backhand coming. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. I better get out of the way. He didn't have his hand racket. He didn't have his hand racket. Have my little hand racket. Uh, so, yes, uh, I remember yes. that one too. Yeah, so, yeah Joe. Yeah, and, and keeping a short story, if it's okay. So, please. Um, you know, you, got, you guys know that I traveled. Did you know probably thirty conventions a year for many many years speaking and probably five hundred coaches workshops you know uh, in the U.S. Europe Canada Mexico so in forth English Spanish German yeah thank you um, for the fond memories of my anxiety so um, <laughs> yeah so he, I'm in Detroit and it's it, indoors winter time high school coaches thing three four hundred coaches. Seats all around, ballroom, carpeting, portable net. And my topic was the serve, which is okay, decent topic, but it's not real active. And I made like the biggest mistake of my life is I randomly asked for someone out of the audience with no preparation. I had no idea what level. You know, I said like advanced beginner, beginning intermediate kind of thing. Lady comes down, because most people in front of others are going to get really nervous. And I had to, you know, take a look at her serve and show measurable improvement and explain to the coaches how it went about and show them the progressions or little fixes. Anyway, it worked out great. I got totally lucky. I would never try it again. I don't suggest it if you ever, you know, to ramp, know who you're getting into, right? And uh, at the end, I also opened it up for questions, which I stopped doing after that conference. Because if you ask for you know, questions and answers, you can get put on the spot. Someone can just take over the microphone. It could be awkward. They could be critical, whatever. You, know, you can always finish and say, okay, if anyone wants to chat with me or you have questions afterwards, I'll be in you know, the next room or in the lobby. Feel free to come by. Anyway, I asked questions. And this guy that was you know, just very... You could tell he was really firm in his opinion, said, you know, because um, you guys were talking about syllables, multisyllabic words, right? So he asked me, he said, you know, good presentation, but you didn't mention the word pronation once. <laughs> Not once. You know, and I said, yes, you're right. Any other questions? <laughs> Done. <laughs> and, and then I backed up and I said that was intentional because I try to stay away from words with three or more syllables when I'm teaching because it just makes things a little bit too complicated. People don't learn. Picture yourself in a college setting listening to a lecture with two or three hundred people. There are learning studies which show 
that just by hearing, your retention is about 10%. Mm. If you see and do, it gets in the 50 to 60% category. If you then actually teach someone else, so if you're in a group lesson environment, and you want to really set an environment for learning for the students, you pair them off and have them teach each other with key words cooperatively. The one who is assisting the other to learn by cueing them with words that you're guiding them to use. It could be a word like relax. Whatever the word might be, you know, um, it could be lower center of gravity. Whatever that phrase is, let that person repeat it over and over again. Then the retention goes up to about 90%. Oh, wow. So pronation, that's something that's, you know, it's the body mechanics, again, where tension is created. Yes, it happens. You know, that pronation does happen when we're loose naturally. But to tell someone and give them a big lecture. When I was 14 and started volunteering to teach tennis part-time for the USTA in my area, you know, I was so proud of myself at 14. I had a 30-step process on how to learn the serve. And I had it memorized. And luckily, I wasn't charging anything because it's horrible, you know? I mean, how could someone, like, think methodically through 30 different steps? So better to give people a feel, allow them to relax, see what their natural movement is, allow them to fail, allow them to succeed and make it fun, make them feel good about their experience. That's always been what I thought was important. Excellent, Joe. Um, we want to uh, wind down this second set and talk not just about current projects, but future projects. I'd love to go over to Kalindi, who is, I understand, working on a book of course, a blog called Mindful Kalindi. Tell us about some of the things you're passionate about outside of on-court, off-court that uh, is probably going to be a future of your your practice or your company, Kalindi. Yeah, um, so, you know, through my own health and wellness journey, I, you know, I mentioned I had some various injuries with tennis and other things. It, you know, really, it led me to go on this personal wellness journey. I did my yoga teacher training. I've done several um, mindfulness, mindful self-compassion meditation trainings, among other things. And then when I, um, you know, when I met Josh, my fiance at the PTR symposium, you know, as you know, AJ, he's the founder of neuromuscular balancing. So I learned about his modality, which is, you know, makes so much sense. It is not talked about. And then, you know, we've partnered on, um, uh, we have on our website the neuromuscular balancing video download. So that that whole basically that whole process led me to become passionate about wellness and the awkward piece and aspects that I felt were are not you know emphasized or at least they weren't as much when I was playing tennis. Like you know stretching was not really like an emphasized thing. Um, you know nor was get finding your center and so yeah that that became a passion of mine and essentially led to yeah. I think I just started the blog as a way I've always liked writing and I was having um, bad jaw pain at the time from wisdom teeth surgery gone wrong. So I needed a, an outlet and yeah, I just, I was doing, you know, taking these mindfulness trainings and yoga trainings and I wanted a way to share that and just my reflections on um, life and, you know, kind of the whole you learn by teaching thing. So it was me sharing my journey and if that, you know, proved valuable to anyone else. And then the, yeah, the book idea that you mentioned is 
inspired by that and actually my move to Maine a couple of years ago um, and seeing the, the seasons here are very, I'm from Dallas originally, where you know, as you guys know, the seasons are one day it's 30 and the next day it's 70 in the winter. They fluctuate wildly. And, you know, being in Maine, I really noticed that, oh, wow, each season has its own unique distinction, like summer is summer, fall is fall, winter is winter, spring is spring. And I felt a lot more grounded and centered and in tune with nature and the seasons. Um, and that, yeah, that's inspired me to work on a book about living with the rhythm of the seasons, which, you know, includes things like how you can take care of yourself in each season, meditation practices, fun recipes for each season, um, as well as I also enjoy writing um, poetry, as does my, my dad, so I must have gotten those genetics, and he is being kind enough to contribute some poems to the book as well. Um, he is, you know, of course, is a published author and has has his own two wonderful books of poetry so yeah that's that's a big passion of mine the whole you know wellness um aspect you know i've taught group yoga cl classes workshops worked with private client in the past and yeah i think that's an area that i want to continue to expand and it has already you know spilled over onto the on-court off-court side since you know we have our wellness line you know we have the neuromuscular balancing um video with that we have our you know some unique yoga products and i think that's just becoming more of a a thing in the world that people are recognizing they need that whether they're an athlete or not um and you know we see so many top tennis players now they're talking about yeah hey on the changeover i was doing my anchoring technique i was meditating like it's it's awesome it's becoming so much more um yeah so much more talked about and then yeah i also just you know tying with the nature i love hiking biking being being in nature and um feel like that's a very recharging um Thing, so well, Kalindi, we uh, loved hearing about not just your current but your future projects. And not only do you have a bright future, but I see a bright future for people who will come to those websites and learn from you and uh, get some of those courses. Let's take uh, 30 seconds here, and maybe you can plug uh, the neuromuscular, the mindfulness, and of course, on court, off court. How do people get a hold of you in all three of those? Um, yeah, so anyone, um, any one of your viewers is always welcome to email me with, you know, any thoughts, questions on the court, off the court. It's always wonderful. Just think life is about relationships and connections. So that's Kalindi at oncourtoffcourt.com. I don't know if there's a way when you share this to write that out since my name's a little bit. Well, they can maybe see it on the screen. Oh, it's easy. K -L um, uh, yeah, K-A-L-I-N-D-I <laughs> at oncourtoffcourt.com. And then, um, yeah, onportoffcourt.com for, of course, on-the-court training aids as well as our off-court wellness line. Like, that's clear in one of the sections. It's called wellness. And then under that, there's yoga and recovery. Um, and in that section, people will find our unique line of mats, including our foldable yoga mat, which works as a meditation cushion, a bolster, a mat. Um, it folds for extra support under your hands and knees, um, and they'll also find the neuromuscular balancing a video download as well there. And then Mindful Kalindi, we also have our blog on the Oncourt Offboard website, which is also noticeable on the homepage, and that does have a section in the Offboard Wellness category as well. Um, and then Mindful Kalindi is just mindful, and then 
on Kalindi.com. Easy. Um, and I try to post there like about once a month, you, you know, new blogs. And there's, you know, a good number of archive blogs as well since I've been posting on it for the past, you know, over four years, something like that. I haven't kept. I, uh, I have, I've gained a lot from Josh's neuromuscular work, um, not just the stretches, but the uh, the opposites, right? Relaxing one side yeah. and then stretching the other side and not stretching it for a New York minute, which is 30 seconds, but for like, <laughs> for like two minutes, like long, holding the stretch long, and that has helped my hamstrings. So thank you and thank Josh. How do people get a hold of you and Josh at the Neuromuscular Training? Yeah, so he has a website um, as well, which is neuromuscularbalancing.com. Um, and yeah, that's exactly right, AJ. You know, the 30, the 30 second thing, and that's exactly what I was guilty about. Like, Damn. I would, you know, I would just do like, Okay, we're done the, you know, done the stretching. Yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll go, I'll go harder so I can go shorter. <laughs> no. Well, you know what's interesting, and it's funny because Josh and I recently did a um, webinar, which we'll be sharing in the coming, you know, in the coming weeks as well, just kind of for sharing more about the neuromuscular balancing. But this was like one of the most common stretches, right? And it's actually not a good stretch because you're stretching a muscle group that tends to be overstretched. Like if you have a rubber band and you pulled it too long and you're just pulling it more, that's not great. So yeah, you would want to strengthen that area or take the, you know, the tension out of it. Um, and yeah, it's, I'm not going to, that would be like a whole other topic to start getting into that. But um, yeah, neuromuscularbalancing.com and the neuromuscular balancing video as well as several packages which combine that and our yoga mat um, and various things like that are also on the on Court website in our wellness section. Uh, thank you for detailing those. And I couldn't help but notice Big Joe was down there flexing while you were explaining all that. <laughs> expanding, uh, expand. expanding. Yeah, we're expanding. So I, I, uh, I, I've always enjoyed hitting with Joe. Big hitter, the Dinnifer. Yeah, he is. He, he's yeah. kind of like the llama. Still, yeah. still a very big hitter in his 60s. So, Joe, tell us about your future projects. You know, we seem to always, I always think I'm running out of ideas for new products, and we've got um, several, always about 10 projects to 15 in the pipeline, so to speak, and we've just launched some, and we've got more that will be coming in very soon. Uh, one of them will be the, uh, it's called the uh, Multi-Twist Mini. Uh, it's made by Sports Tutor, but we created an exclusive that we'll handle worldwide for them. It was uh, kind of my idea. We invested to speed up the feed rate instead of once every five seconds to once every 3.5. Oh, three and a half. It's more portable. Plus, it works for pickleball as well as tennis, including transition balls for tennis. So it's literally this big and holds about you know 12 to 15 balls. And we are developing a next system that will be, it's called the Infinity Play System, which will be available in the next few months. And it'll be a self-feeding Infinity continuous play system that people can use in their garage, their basement, their driveway, their patio. Very portable. It'll be the only uh, practice play system where the ball machine can be used on the court or with that system. So we're kind of excited about that and uh, all sorts of things. Just a little, uh, yeah, a little bit hesitant. I, I may want to, I don't know if you'll ask this, but our YouTube channel is, we, we're just hitting 4 million views. 
on our YouTube channel in the last 10 years. Oh, wow. And uh, I don't know how many clips we have, Kalindi, five, six, seven hundred maybe. There's a lot. Too many to count. Too many to count. But um, it's all free access, a lot of good quality. There are playlists um, guiding people. And, um, you know, free access. People just have to go on YouTube and, and type in on court, off court, and they'll lead us, it'll lead them to the channel. So uh, I'd encourage them. We've always been based on education and trying to give back. And then the product sales obviously create that continuous movement pattern, which allow us to afford to do all the videos. Because you don't sell, you know, videos or books in quantities in a niche market like tennis or pickleball. So, you know, we're giving back through education and tying that into accelerated learning, which has been a lot of fun for the last 28 years. Definitely. Congrats on yeah. that. And thank you for a wonderful first and second set. I want to uh, move over to Craig Bell with a really fun third set here. First, before we do that, any questions from the crowd? No, we have one comment, though, that, oh, yeah. uh, from our sponsor, Blair Descaray oh. of Master Systems. He goes, uh, big fan of uh, Joe and Kalindi Dennifer. So that's a good segue because Master Systems is the sponsor of the third set. Uh-huh. So, nice segue. And, and the first and second set were sponsored by On Court, Off Court. This so, guy is so good. Really? You just oh. you are able to make an ad read sound casual and smooth as silk. That was beautiful. Well, we, we, we like on court, off court. Obviously, yeah. over the years, you know, if I've saved uh, the tapes, I go back and listen to these about once every two or three months. You know, yeah. these little things. These are gems right there. So that's that's really the first podcast. And I'm going to get these into your hands. You know, Joe, we'll, we'll uh, connect uh, in the next couple of days. And yeah, know. we need to do dinner like we had planned. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I know everybody thinks of Joe Rogan as the first podcaster, but but it was really Joe, Joe Dennifer. Dennifer. Right, right. <laughs> really Joe with this format right. of podcast. Do you still have that? You, you can take the, the uh, cassette and, and turn it into something useful, Joe. Do you have the technology still? Well, that's why if, if you if you have them, I was going to post on Facebook and see because, you know, we have a lot of subscribers and um, I'm thinking to just do it as a free download for yeah. people because the content is not what I would do is, as you know, when I went to those conventions, I'd sit with a laptop. Thank goodness my mother forced me to learn how to type when I was young. Yeah. So I typed fast enough. I could take notes, convert them into highlights, and then I would record them and go to a studio and they would, you know, add the intro and the outro and the music clips. And we had it divided nicely so that, the idea was people on their way to work, if they were coaches, would just pop it in and uh, get juiced up for the day with some good ideas. And, you know, it's even uh, sometimes I'm at a conference or I'm speaking or traveling and I run into a guy and I'm like, oh, I, I remember Mike Van Zutphen from these. I remember Ken DeHart <laughs> from this cassette right. or that cassette. Like you I, always gave the speaker credit. Right. Always. You always, always. did. Well done, yeah. We, we do have a question just came in oh, from yeah? the crowd. Uh, how did the Jennifers feel about learning with orange orange ball and green ball, the, you know, that kind of stuff? What, what do you all think about versus maybe a yellow ball situation? Uh, or do, do you all like the progressive method of, like, maybe a foam ball, red ball, uh, orange ball, green ball? What are and your to thoughts? add a tiny oh, bit of context, yeah. the, the man asking this yes. is a really great coach, and he says, I seem to have – a problem uh, with parents trying to rush the kid through stages. Mm -hmm. And he also asks, uh, 
you know, rushing through might be bad for technique and development. So maybe you can use that yeah. context in your answer. What do you all think? Uh, I, you know, I, I'm going to pipe in here because here's where my brain went. Tell it. Who's going to answer between me and Kalindi, right? Between <laughs> Kalindi and I. So I thought, have you ever had people do rock, paper, scissors when they're side by side on Zoom? Mm. <laughs> Kalindi, yeah. let's do it. All right, Rock. Well, in my view, though, like I'm next to Craig and AJ, <laughs> you're like underneath. So, but we can try. Okay. Oh well, it doesn't have doesn't matter. So we go well, on three. So we'll, no, on four. So one, two, three, and then we'll do it. Right? Okay. You got to do it in front of your face because you got a background. Okay. One, two, three, go. Oh, I, I missed paper, oh, paper, paper, paper. Yeah. One, two, three, go. Oh, scissors. 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 One, two, three. Go. Two rocks. This is not planned. <laughs> That's why, you see, they think alike. They have totally One, two, three, go. Yeah. All well, right. You, you win. Kalindi right. wins. That's right. So do you want, you can either speak or you can pass it. Um, I, I can say a few things and then pass yeah. it on. Please. Um, I mean, I think, you know, from the, the, the player perspective, um, and I, you know, I was a little bit older when I when I started playing. Um, so I did start more with yellow balls, but I had exposure a lot with foam balls. Also, I mean, you know, even in learning to get over my like, I was nervous at the net. So my dad had some foam balls, and he like tossed them at me. So that I was like, oh, it's not so scary, you know, like that getting over that fear. I might um, say, not only did I toss them, but I had her put her hands at her side and I threw it at her head. <laughs> and she would just laugh you know what I mean and you just to get used to these are folks so you don't think I was these, these are foam balls that weigh like one ounce like you know much less than a, than a beach ball they're lighter and softer than a beach ball so, so but um you know I think it all depends on like the the kid and how old they are what level that you know they are like there might you know be a like I, I don't know Andre Agassi comes to mind you know he was child prodigy right like at five hitting return of serve you know I don't know like there's different levels versus like if you took me at age five and tried to get me with yellow balls that really wasn't gonna work because you know I just it wouldn't have I wouldn't have had success so I think it's wherever the child can experience success and have fun and build self-esteem and and they can actually yeah they can start to build the skills so yeah you know parents might be that sort of if, if the parents are caught up with like their perception of success and they're thinking that success means yellow balls and advancing through all these levels then yeah they're going to be impatient but i think that's where maybe it's the coach's job to um you know help share that what success really is and it's not about rushing through it it's about the journey and the fun and the the skills and the confidence built and and there's no time frame to that it's just whatever the you know it should be a decision between the kid and the coach when they feel like they're ready to move on um so but yeah that, that's all that's all i have for that I, that's probably not you know very like political answer i'm not to date with all of the dialogues around that, but that's just sort of my, you know, hopefully relatively common sense thoughts. Yeah, very relevant. Yeah, and may I add just one yeah. couple of very quick thoughts? First of all, Clinton, when, 
I was thinking about it. Why didn't we use those? And they were not really available in the U.S. at that time. It was kind of interesting. And uh, you started at nine and a half years old, ten. Ten and a half, yeah, like like something like old. that. And um, you know, we worked. You had the bug, and you're you know a hard worker, and you know you accelerated and learned to the point where you were you know highly ranked in the twelves in Texas after eighteen months of playing. But that was due to your hard work, you know, and, and trying to guide you in, in a more efficient way. But I think one of the things for that coach who asked that question is the balls bounce lower, which is a big deal. So it's more height appropriate for the child, sure. number one. And number two is that uh, because the ball is slower off the racket and slower after the bounce, it gives them more time. And time is obviously, you know, either the friend or the enemy of the tennis player. And the more time you have, the better you'll do. The less time you have, the more rushed, the more tight, the less you'll be able to go through whatever you're learning. And from those standpoint, height appropriate, height appropriate and time, uh, big deal. You know, we all know longer rallies are possible and, you know, making it more age appropriate. You can imagine uh, six-year-old kids playing on a full court basketball versus a lower net on a shorter court, which would be much more successful for them. That's what I have. Good answer. Yeah, good. I hope our yeah. coach uh, yep. fan, thank yeah. you. Yeah, he says strike zone. Yes, yeah. He, yeah, he likes strike it. zone. Good. He's yeah. all over it. Clindy, I just one thought here. Just uh, did yeah. did you know that you were being a guinea pig and you were in a learning laboratory for your dad at that time? <laughs> you know, how, how do you feel about that now? Looking back upon the uh, uh, timing of uh, all this uh, great uh, nurturing that you were going through. Um, you know, since then, or I've talked if I, you know, people have asked me about like any of the, you know, training aids. I'm a good person to talk to since I have so much firsthand, you know, experience. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I tried it out. I was a guinea pig for all of them. Like, um, but I think it's kind of cool. So it was, it was like Christmas every day coming coming to to work with. I know yeah. toys. We yeah. would carry out. <laughs> I mean, to emphasize the return of serve. Now, Craig, as you as you guys both know. You know, there's the sports attack has made that ace attack serving ball machine. But in those days, it didn't exist except for the $14,000 playmate package with the lift and the Grand Slam, you know, right? Mm -hmm. But um, what we did is I bought a little giant ladder and had a portable ball machine and, and built a platform retrofitted onto the ladder and raised the machine up to a height so that she could learn her forehand ground strokes and practice them in the context of the return of serve since it's the most second most frequent shot hit next to the serve in tennis. Points last so short, you end up hitting return of serve, serving 44% of the time or swings at the ball for the serve, including first and second. The return of serve is about 33%. And you've got twenty percent as everything else, but the serve and return server are practiced too little. They're under practiced compared to regular ground strokes, disproportionately practiced. Mm. Yeah, I know our TCD ladies uh, don't like. Uh, they 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 always say, "Ooh, my arm hurts, my shoulder hurts." You know, when they come I gotta to serve, go. yeah, it's yeah. serve and return time, yeah. Craig. <laughs> I, 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 I'll, I'll be. I'll see you tomorrow. Right. <laughs> I, I go. My head hurts. You know, after all that, I'm like, <laughs> you know, that is one of the you know, like, and I agree with you a thousand percent that serve and return to serve is the least practiced, but the should be the most, the practiced most yeah. because that's where the action happens. You don't get to pass go if you don't get your serve in or your return in. You don't get the two hundred dollars. You don't get to get all the good stuff that. 
that uh, go along with that. Uh, yeah, I, I wanted to know as a parent working, yeah. I mean, I tried to bring her, I mean, AJ, you know this story, and I won't mention the club, but, then, you know, I brought her to different junior programs, trying them out. And uh, one of the clubs I went to, the coach had the little girl standing with her arms straight, told him you're holding it like a stop sign like, and like feeding this. balls right to the racket. And then, and then I, I said, you know, like instead of feeding, you know, there's a chance if you brought out a ball machine, right, you could, you know, be with them, help them a little more instead of yelling from across the net and feeding balls. So then the next time I brought out the ball machine, it was firing from a, a full-size playmate machine, crossed the net about 30 to 40 miles an hour for a 10-year-old girl is very fast. We all know that. That's like a you know intermediate recreational male or female player, and these little girls, like between the three or four, standing at the net of the stop sign again, were missing the balls, deflecting. They were scared. All this, and then I said, you know, you could move the machine up to the service line, slow it down, and then so they succeed more. And he said, well, we don't have an extension cord. <laughs> So I went to Home Depot and bought an extension cord and dropped it off before the next lesson. And the last time I brought Kalindi there was at that next lesson when he had the extension cord but didn't bother to use it. Oh. So, you know, standards of tennis, um, it's getting better and better. There are mandatory education requirements now. You know, I always used to kid that if you want to cut hair in Texas, you need to, you know, pay for a license and take a little test every year. And tennis coaches didn't have any mandatory certification for continuing education like that. So, um, yeah, it's just uh, those, there are a lot of stories out there. There are a ton of great coaches, don't get me wrong. But this is how I ended up working with Galini. And, yes, she was a guinea pig. And no, I didn't tell her. And um, <laughs> I think she turned out okay. She did. I think she turned yeah, out fine. Sharp, sharp, sharp right. kid there. All right. Well, should we get going on the well, third, third set, set real buddy, quick? Okay. On. Yeah. So back again, uh, Master Systems. Uh, anybody that needs a product for your court resurfacing court that's something that on court off court does not provide that's where blair Descaray comes in he'll uh, do your surface work uh, does a really good job uh, our, our buddy blair uh, check him out all of his fine work with uh, master yeah. system court he might a super nice person too yes he's very a very nice human being very just, responsible yes. good communicator Good job. Very convivial. He's yeah. a con convivial. That's fine. Six. Six. Okay. Seven. So convivial. All right. There we go. There's eight. The, the prick. Can you say it three times fast? Five times fast? Yeah. I don't know about that. I'm not. Convivial. I'm not, convivial. 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 Hey, you're one a, take, Joe. He's he's a linguist, you know, in his finest. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a linguist at all. I'm from Oklahoma. You know, we we can barely say, you know, yeah, Oklahoma. But uh, Blair, Blair did the courts behind us. So so, and those have been down for eight years. That that company, I can't recommend Master Systems highly. So if you all need some pickleball courts, tennis courts, you know, all sports courts, go look at our buddy uh, Blair Descaray with Master Systems. So all right, this will be this is going to be a lot of fun. We do uh, typically three sets within the third segment. So there's threes. There's a lot of threes here. We have three three sets three, in the third set. Yes. And I, I know Joe will answer a lot of these questions. Howard, well, I've I've witnessed uh, Joe Denifer in the music uh, profession. Oh, he's, he's also a great musician. Oh yes, yeah. So uh, so this will be kind of fun uh, to talk with Kalindi also too. So Kalindi, I'm going to ask you this question: First band you saw in concert besides your dad? You know, you didn't get to you don't get to say you know Joe Denifer and the you know the on court off court team. Uh, first band that you saw in concert, a real concert. That's a good question. Um... 
I'm honestly, I'm probably blanking on some like something that was smaller that I'm not remembering. But the first one that like comes to mind is like the first like big concert yeah. was seeing Shakira at the American Airlines Center. Oh, um, like maybe five, six years ago, something. That, was that know. before the Gypsy Kings when we went to hear them and looked? No, no, that was first. See, I knew there was something. I was, I was blanking. Okay, Gypsy Kings. Gypsy I think then was was probably first, and then Shakira was second. So. Yeah, uh, thank you. I know Shakira. Uh, Gypsy Kings. Do you know the Gypsy Kings? What is They're it about? Awesome. What is it about tennis people and that technical guitar of the Gypsy Kings? Yeah. I saw the Gypsy Kings in '90 or '91 in Atlanta, and who's right in front of me? One of the greatest tennis players of all time, Martina Navratilova. Really? So you're in good company. Uh, wow. Going uh, to see that great band from uh, Spain. Cool. Yeah. They're, they're from Spain. Yeah. I think they're originally from Spain. Yeah. 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 Really? Yeah. I thought Mexico. No. Uh, yeah, and I assumed they were maybe from I Romania, uh, where Joe's people might have been from centuries ago. Yeah, Romania. Yeah, from yeah. So, Rafa, did you ever see uh, the Gypsy Kings in Spain? Well, Gypsy Kings, uh, Kings, no, they're one of my favorite <laughs> bands, no? I uh, would like to learn the, the guitar from uh, from all the best, no? Right. Always yeah. uh, you practice hard, hard? always yeah. working hard, always practicing, always <laughs> learning new, new things, no? Always, no? Yeah, yeah. It's always fun. When he said Spain, I was like, okay, I, I know where I'm going on that question. I was yeah. very impressive. Now I feel like we like, back to Gypsy Kings, where they're actually from, in case um, we need a new accent. But this, this one was so good, so maybe we just like that. And apologies, Gypsy Kings, if you're not. Maybe they'll have you be their frontman agent. <laughs> well, Kalindi, thank you very much for the gig. I will, uh, I will get you a ten percent uh, the moment I get paid. No, you can do. Craig, see what you you know. Do a podcast without video. So you say you don't get you get promoted, then you're gonna have Adrian, you know, uh, Rafa, right on your on your podcast. Oh, Finally, yeah. he's agreed. He's right, agreed. he's, he's agreed. agreed. Yeah, well, you gotta get your ten percent out of this pointy too. So I just want to let you know. Yeah, that's right. That's get right. your ten percent from Rafa, and then uh, you know maybe maybe Novak will show up too. Novak, Novak's, will you show up? Craig, it's very generous of you to offer, uh, both on the court and off the court. I enjoy very much the music, but uh, I'm going to let uh, Rafa handle this one for oh, me. Oh, okay. So you'll be fine right there. <laughs> uh, if you could hear a band in concert, what band would you hear? Who are you speaking to? Uh, either one of you. T tell us your, now your favorites. You know, if you could hear a band in concert, do you like, you know, Music, yeah, I know you like. I know Joe does. We, oh, yeah. And uh, Kalindi, if you could hear a band in concert, is there something that you maybe you and Josh haven't seen together that maybe you all would like to go see? Um, well, what comes to mind is I saw that they might be. I think they're. Uh, have you guys heard of Celtic Women? The the band. It's it's really really awesome. Like very peaceful, very unique, like world music. And actually, um, it's funny time to be having this conversation. But there, my dad and Adriana are coming to visit in, at the end of next month. So that's when the band will be in Maine. So amazing I'm timing! About that, but that's, oh, that's, that's good. Let's yeah. yeah, usually AJ hears of everything. I'm surprised. This is when he's saying, no, I haven't heard of that one. I'm like, uh, I can't believe you stumped AJ. Celtic women. Celtic I don't women. know it. Yeah, look them up. They're really, they're, they're awesome. I could probably throw, yeah. yeah, Josh has introduced me. That one, I think, yeah, we both knew separately. Um, another band that comes to mind that I've been listening to lately, Fleet Foxes. Have you heard of them? Say again. Who are they? Fleet, Fleet Foxes. 
Foxes. Fleet Foxes. I've heard of this band. Okay. All, all the right. cool, all the hip young kids love this. Yeah. yeah. So I haven't, I didn't stop you twice. It was worth. Fleet that. Foxes. Okay. Fleet no, don't Foxes. don't tell us the song. AJ, tell us the song from the Fleet Foxes. Do you have you heard? I, I actually don't know any albums or songs. No, where are they from? Do They're you know? from here, right? Are They're they from the states? Right. Yeah, I think yeah. I think so. I don't know the yeah the details, but there's a couple of their songs I've been listening to lately. So, so has uh, Andy Murray? Have you heard of Fleet Foxes? Um, I mean, yeah, it's great, it's great music. Yeah. I'm I'm not Fleet, I'm not a fox. <laughs> um, I, I'll get to your drop shots, mate. But uh... you, you haven't heard of Fleet Foxes, <laughs> no, Scotland. It hasn't think, made, they haven't made. I don't Scotland. think they've made yeah. it up to the Highlands. But, but yet. The, yeah. the Celtic women, maybe you've heard the Celtic women, haven't you? Now I have. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I just I do want to say our yeah. research department is piping yep. in. Chipsy uh, Kings are a group of flamenco, salsa, and pop musicians from Arles and Montpellier, where there's a um, ATP event this tournament. weekend. Yep. So that's in southern France. Yep. Um, mixing southern French dialects. Mostly they perform in Spanish. Most of them are from their Gitanos, Spanish Romani, who fled Spain during the Spanish Civil War. So they are Spanish, yeah. but they are based out of France now. Cool. Yeah. All right, we got it. We learn something every day, right? So, uh, okay, so the next question, can we're going to follow up on this. Uh, well, what's your favorite type of music, Kalindi? What do you What do you really like? Celtic women, obviously, that's the... Uh, is it kind of, is that, I, I kind of have an idea. Yeah, Celtic, I guess it's Celtic music. I mean, that, that kind is really nice. Um, I really like Kirtan music. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Um, you actually, was it, uh, no, it wasn't at, at my dad's wedding. It will be at my wedding though. So you'll get to learn about yeah. Kirtan. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's many different Kirtan artists that come to mind. One you could look up, Sean Johnson and the Wild Lotus Band. Um, we did like a World Bhakti Festival um, in Dallas a, a few years back. And there, yeah, there's many, many artists that are uh, amazing in that genre. A lot of times it's it's usually um, Sanskrit music with instruments and musicality and like call and response. Um, but there's also like, there's one, the Jewish uh, Kirtan Rabbi. So like, there's just, yeah, it's, it, it's really there's awesome. Lot of, yeah, yeah, Will Smith's yeah. daughter, Willow Smith. Mm-hmm. is doing some work. They've written some songs, her and Jonna B. Harrison. Uh, G. Kaur is, is quite good. Deva Primal. Deva Primal, yeah. It's just sweet, softer. You know, I'm a, I like jazz fusion and funk, so, right. you know, I'm like Fearless Flyers, Herbie Hancock, Anybody, yeah. any, who's your, that, so, so the, our next question, our follow-up question is that, because I know Joe is, is, has been in a band, and I don't know if you're currently in a band. Uh, uh, I play every week with a very good guitarist, uh, and have played with a, a bass player comes sure. up, but not, not performing now. We're just jamming. Now, if I recall, you, you are professionally trained. Maybe you went to college to, to play music. Is that correct, if I recall correctly? You know, I, I learned my oldest sister's first husband was a national caliber percussionist. Oh. So he, I actually had, I think he was trying to get on the good side of the family. So he was giving me lessons, playing the drums. So I was in bands since junior high school and playing gigs in high school and college and then had a fork in the road, either tennis or music, and uh, auditioned and got into Berkeley Jazz School, but did not attend. And then uh, stopped, for, you know, got into the tennis and then started playing percussion again 
Oh, gosh, you know, maybe 15 years ago now. And uh, I was fortunate enough to get in with a couple of good music projects. And you know, somewhere, like I used to tell Kalindi, you're, probably, you're no longer the worst player in the world, and you're probably not become the best. <laughs> so I'm, I'm somewhere in the middle, you know, like all of us at everything we do. Joe, that's all good. Joe, that's good. Too humble. Craig and I got yeah. to see one of your gigs yes. about four and a half years ago at the right. Balcony Club. Yes. Not far from my neighborhood. And uh, what, we was the, what was the gentleman's him. name that, that was the, the, the lead singer? The, he, the, Joe Devine. He used to Joe tour with Otis Redding and James Brown. That's correct, yes. And yeah. sadly, he passed away about a year after that. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Man, that was a great yeah. uh, set that you yeah. all played. That was fun, just sitting there, just kind of listening to that was awesome. you know, our buddy Joe hitting the skins. You know, it was uh, it was a good time. Yeah, I, I couldn't was, remember uh, that guy's name. I was trying to remember. Historic room, too. I remember Joe Devine. Joe Dinefer and Joe Devine <laughs> right. in the same outfit. It was awesome. They're awful fine. Yeah, <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah, so, Kalindi, if, if you could be in a band, uh-huh. uh, have you been in a band? No, I have I have not. Okay, so your dad sits in the back right there, you know, you know, keeping time. What, yeah, what would you like to do? Would you like to be a lead singer? Would you like to be like your dad, keeping time? Piano player, uh, guitar player, uh, glockenspiel? See, I play a glockenspiel. I, I'm a real mean glockenspiel <laughs> player. So where, where are you in, in the band? I think I'd go for guitar. I have a guitar. I took some classical guitar lessons. Um, yeah, when I was a, a teenager, I've since forgotten most of it, sadly. <laughs> but I'd like to pick it back up and learn some more, like, um, yeah, like chords and songs and, and such. So I think I think guitar would be cool. And would you be a good guitar player, you know, like, uh, you know, out there in front, uh, you know, Eddie Van Halen type of uh, guitar player, you know, kind of, you know, or would you be more in the uh, uh, kind of more, oh, I guess, relaxed mode, you know, kind of easy listening kind of guitar player? Or are you more hard rock, you know, kind of hard driving? Maybe I like a Shakira band, you know, Gypsy Kings, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, so I also really love, you know, on the on the subject of, you know, musical genres, I've always liked Latin music. So, like, yeah, Gypsy Kings was fun. I think if I had the, uh, if I had the talent for it, like the singer, songwriter, um, you know, guitar and singing, because I also like writing poetry, like that would be really cool if I had those musical abilities to put that together in, you know, in whatever genre, probably not like a hard, hard rock, but maybe like folksy world fusion, some Latin flair, some, yeah, just elements from, from different, different cultures and musical, um, uh, like uh, influences. I, I, well, I think the Jennifer family ought to do a little duet together. Yeah. You know, maybe Dad, yeah. you know, playing the, the skins, you know, back there yeah. keeping time, and then Kalindi out front, you know, playing guitar. Now, obviously, they're, they're very talented, you know, with poetry, and they, they're musicians already, you know, to some degree, you know, songwriters. So I think there might be something, you know, to it, you know. Maybe we'll you come and, if you come and play trumpet while we're playing. No, I think, I think you guys are you're missing the part where I don't actually have musical talent. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I think yeah, you're, you're the songwriter. I think all good songwriters have talent. You know, they're, definitely. They're, they're there. So it's 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 there. Trust us. We uh, we, we know. Uh, she could be a lyricist. Yes. Yes, very much so. I'll, I will write. The, I can, I'll try writing the song, and then somebody else will um, perform. One time, if we ever come on again, um, I don't want to put her on the spot, or me either, but... Um, have her re- recite some of her poetry. She's oh, that'd be great. Hey, and Joe, awesome. uh, thank you for saying that. Joe, I love reciting some of your poetry in that 
that uh, from a father poetry book, and there's the second one as well. Uh, there's some really quality stuff in there, and I want people to read it. Oh, yeah. And maybe next time we have you on, we do a quick set. Oh, of, yeah, that'd be great. Some spoken word or some poetry, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've been recording a, a few, and it's on my Facebook page. Uh-huh. Um, and I Father's Love, yeah, just Joe Jennifer on Facebook, and there are three of them that are recorded. And uh, here's a little... Uh, one of the best moments of my life, I think, giving Kalindi the book as a surprise. Wow. That was a very cool. sweet moment as a parent. And you both are parents, so you know the feeling of parental affection and love and, and the relationships when it's uh, when it's going great. So. Oh, I've read more than one of those poems, more than yeah, one time to my great. kid. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. Do you want a couple more kids? I'll give you a couple. I got four. He's yeah. got too many. Yeah, this guy. <laughs> We've got two cats and a dog, oh. so we're a family of five. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're fine at the moment. You're full house, right? <laughs> so, speaking of, uh, we're going to go into the second set. Uh-huh. So, speaking of full house, which used to be a show on uh-huh. television, <laughs> what 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 do the Denifers like? Each one of you. Are you guys uh, movie yeah, people? Movie, TV, TV. What, what do you like? Um, I like, yeah, I like both. I mean, good, yeah, good movies or good TV shows. Um, what do you like? Of, uh, it's kind of like with the music. Like, I feel like I like a lot of different things. And, it, you know, music, the only things I don't, I'm not crazy about, like, 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 I don't know, like rap with a lot of, like, bad language or things like that. Anyway, I'm getting super off topic now, but, um, yeah, I like fantasy a lot. So, like, I like fantasy books. So, also, like, fantasy movies or shows. Like, I love the Harry Potter books. I love the Harry Potter movies. Um, Josh and I just recently finished watching the Cobra Kai series on Netflix, which is, like, uh, you know, the original Karate Kid. It's, like, the actors, once they're older and then they have kids, and it's just very, like, love and friendship and, you know, growing up. And um, just anyway, lots of nice themes. And I did not realize it was the original actors until after finishing the whole three seasons. <laughs> and oh, they picked such good actors. And then <laughs> of the actors. So. Uh, like wow that character really knows the character right but who's the old guy right and you're like oh that's, <laughs> that's um, but what about you joe do you are you a movie guy tv guy you know seinfeld we like seinfeld. Uh, yeah i mean i think movies that are you know i tend to go towards more meaningful and uh i definitely am philosophically inclined so um discussions about philosophy and life and you know reading digging into self-improvement personal growth those sorts of things always intrigue me um so yeah things connected with you know the world has become a very small place so things that can help us grow towards more understanding and respect for one another less judgmentalism um i'm definitely um you know, it's very painful for me to see the divides that exist and how people are, you know, fighting one another and, and not seeing, instead of celebrating the differences, we are alienating ourselves from others by seeing the differences in a negative vein rather than, oh, this is important, you know, that there are differences so you can have exchanges and you can learn with a respectful environment 
as the foundation for discussion. So that's that's more more what I'm where I'm at. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not. I think we all have the similarities. You know, even though we have differences of opinions, there there's more similarities than differences that uh, we have in the world. And so I wish that uh, uh, I get uh, tired of watching certain shows. I'll put it that way. I just you know, I, I, I kind of go mindless sometimes, and I'll watch sports. I just watch mindless. That's like yeah. the opposite yeah. of mindful. Full. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's, yeah. I well, mean, I do, I'll know. watch tennis, and I'm just kind of like I, I've had enough of all the other stuff, and I'll just watch a tennis match. Yeah. You know, yeah. Kind of stuff. I give up you know, at at some point. Or maybe I should just turn it off and be be, or maybe watch more Rick Steves, the European Travel Guy, and be convivial. That's the most convivial. That, that's right. His yeah. over under on the use of the word convivial is higher than yours. That's uh, yes. He has a lot of convivial. <laughs> episode so uh breakfast lunch or dinner what, what do you all like to, to eat are you all favorite favorite uh you know morning pe- people like breakfast or or dinner people or lunch people brunch definitely breakfast brunch. oh yeah what do, what do you or eat brunch, brunch. like yeah mm-hmm. brunch is and uh Kalindi's fiance loves to cook oh, really? so she is she's got it made yeah, <laughs> yeah he's like vegan chef level um, it's, oh. And this is like a, a very uh, nice time for me because we, we'll, we'll kind of trade off. So in the summer when he's, you know, out on the court coaching from like, you know, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., I'll do most of the cooking. And now in the winter when it's a slower period for him, he'll do all of the cooking. And then, yeah, it's like um, gourmet, many gourmet meals. Um, yeah, we had for dinner some leftover that he made the other day of this amazing vegan stuffed cabbage with homemade tomato sauce. Um, like really, really good flavors. Um, yeah, there's, again, this is the kind of thing where I feel like when I'm put on the spot to think of a specific thing, I'm like, wait, what? But yeah, oh, but on the brunch topic. Yeah. So yes. Homemade, um, yeah, so I also like minimize gluten and stuff. So he's very kindly like, um, we'll do mostly gluten-free for me also. It's made me gluten-free bread, very delicious. So he made homemade vegan gluten-free biscuits and a vegan gravy. Um, so yeah, vegan biscuits and gravy, um, um, yummy breakfast sandwiches. Uh, yeah, you guys have to come visit and uh, come in the winter. You'll have a really fun, like a snow nature, spiritual meditative retreat with gourmet food. Love this. Boy. Whoa. Man, I said I'm ready to come up to Maine. Yeah, I love Maine. Yeah. Oh man, Joseph, tell us about your yeah. favorite meal. Well, as some people know who know us, we're we both have plant-based diets, and um, I'm kind of boring. You know, I do my smoothie in the morning. I'll do a light, light, lighter lunch. So I would say probably dinner. Yeah, and I like trying different restaurants. And then when I gain the 10 pounds that I don't want to gain, I'll not go out to eat for a while. And, but these days, it's really easy. The, the whole plant-based thing, at least for us, it's, it used to be tough years and years ago. But now, you know, a lot of people are cutting back even one or two meals a week where they go plant-based just for health. So a lot of restaurants are catering more and more. Yeah, no, I know we, we used to get together, had a lunch crowd. It was always fun uh, getting together, talking over uh, at Central Market down yeah. there on. Uh, right, uh, I missed those days. Yeah, yeah those yeah. are good when you lived right down here by us. That's right, yeah. He was down in the in the hood with uh, um, AJ. And... Joe and I used to hit every Tuesday morning when he lived down here. <laughs> we got to start up again. Let's yeah. do it, man. In the coming weeks, I'm ready. My Let's shoulder's better. Good. You Knees know, are okay. Good. He's coming after you. Injections. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. 
All right. Now, speaking of food, uh, this we always like to ask uh, this question, dinner guests. We, we know AJ and I would be invited to this uh, uh, hoedown, shindig, you know, whatever you want to call it, party. Soiree. Soiree. Yeah, Oklahoma. Fiesta. Fiesta. Yeah. Uh, who would some other dinner guests be at this particular event? Uh, and it can be anybody from, you know, day one, Adam and Eve, all the way forward. It, it can be sports people, you know. It can also be fictional characters Fic- yep. from literature if you mm-hmm. want it to be, too. Yeah, like Harry Potter. Yeah. So we could have Harry Potter there at, at the meal with us. So. Harry it, Potter. Yes. Who, who would you all invite? We we know we, we'd be at the uh, at the soiree. <laughs> I've been answering first the past few questions. So. Dad, you're first. Yeah, yeah. We, we see. We answer. We ask good questions. He's we got tough. them thinking. We He's got them tough. thinking right yeah. here, catching them off guard. What do you think, Joe? Who are you inviting besides AJ and I? Well, you know, <laughs> besides you guys. Besides. We've, we've already been invited. We know that we're there. We've invited ourselves. Well, with AJ, you get, uh, you know, Novak, Andy Murray, and Rafa Nadal all in one package. Well, so well Nikki Kiggs. Already Kicks, we've got five guests. Well, Nikki Kiggs might be there. Nikki, would you show up? Bro, I'm Nick Kyrgios, mate. You, you call yourself a journalist? <laughs> Piss off. Next question. <laughs> so you get Nikki Kiggs, too. Nick Kyrgios might be this is such a hard question. You know, like I, I would, you know, I grew up in the Jewish faith, but uh, Jesus came to mind mm-hmm. in all seriousness because yeah. um, I think it would, you know, can't imagine, you know, some of the original great saints from India, yep. like Ram or Krishna, sure. uh, would be wonderful. Um, modern, until you said any time in history, I would say um, Will Smith might be really, because he is an interesting person when you hear him, because he's very, you know, practical in terms of his career, so successful, but he's super humble. I've I've been listening to a lot of his, uh, he does a lot of things on YouTube, Mm -hmm. and talks about his upbringing, his grandmother, his values, his ethics, his spirituality, uh, very powerful. So that's what I have to say. Good. That's a good. We've never had Will Smith on the. We haven't. Yeah, West table. Philadelphia, born and raised. Yes. Yeah. What about you, Kalindi? Anybody else that you'd like to have at the table? Well, I, I already really liked everyone that my dad invited because I was going to say, yeah, at first I was thinking modern, and then you realize since the beginning of time. So yeah, I feel like you obviously, if you, re- if you really had this opportunity, you would want to invite some of the. You know the great like saints, saints of all of all ages. You know, like what an amazing opportunity that would be to like just learn from them and like bask in the the love, basically. Um, but yeah, it's going with like a on the and then of course if you're going into the fictional side of things, yeah, I mean it'd be fun to invite the whole Harry Potter world to dinner too. Although I really <laughs> would like to go to Harry Potter, that would be more fun. Like. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sure, I could invite them, but, like, are they bringing Hogwarts with them? Um. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you imagine how good your dad would be at Quidditch? <laughs> how bad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think also some of the great, um, you know, poets and, and writers of the ages also would be would be really interesting to have at dinner, like, um, you know, Rumi. Uh, Rumi comes to mind. 
um, Jane Austen, um, you know, like the lit- like just kind of the greats. Like there's, there's, there's such a big range of potential people to, to invite to dinner. And then from a, yeah, from a modern, from a modern time period and specifically, you know, since this is a, a tennis themed um, chat, uh, James Blake comes to mind. Um, I met him when I was younger and I was so impressed. Like it was just a brief interaction um, where he apologized to like us kids for get a phone call and we were waiting for autographs and he apologized to us for keeping us waiting a few minutes. Like, yeah, it was even only like 30 seconds and he's so humble. Um, and you know, then I, I read his book and just, yeah, he's very, very humble, very, very heart driven. Um, so yeah, I feel like that would be that would be really special to. We're gonna have to have a big table. This is a big table. Big thinkers, big mind, big thinkers. Yeah, good dinner guests. East Coast, West Coast. What are the Denver's like? East Coast. I I I would imagine Kalindi might have a have a bias one way or the other since she's up in Maine. Are you an East Coast person or a West Coast person? live in New York City, for example, that would be way too many people and overstimulating. Like I I really fallen in love with Maine and the nature and people are very down to earth and authentic. Um but I, I think there's beautiful places, you know, anywhere anywhere you go. A close friend of mine lives in California. It's beautiful there as well. Joe, what about you? East Coast person, West Coast person? Wherever there is uh, warm enough weather, a nice beach, and direct nonstop flight to Bangor, Maine. Oh, really? Okay. So you can see your wonderful daughter. Nonstop flight. Yeah. Boy, I'm sitting there thinking. That's challenging. That's challenging. Yeah. Very challenging. I'm going to say, yeah, I can't imagine. To, so I was trying to think about that. Where Who would fly direct to Bangor? Do we have nonstop from Dallas? In, in, in the summers, American Airlines does have it. But then in the fall, winter, and spring, they cut back, and then you have to go through because we're going to visit the end of March, and uh, we have to. Con- we're going to connect in Philly. Yeah. Philly, and we don't have a beach here either. He just said beach, so we're yeah. kind of like yeah. that. Was my next question: mountains or beach? So we know you like the beach. And what about you, Clindy? Are you a mountain or beach person? I like both. I'm an ocean person. I've always loved the ocean and. I, yeah, like Maine has a lot of amazing rocky beaches, which I wasn't that exposed to previously. And it's really rugged and you have the mountain and the ocean and the forests all together. So yeah, I guess like, do I, do I have, if I had to pick, I would, I'd say ocean, but I, yeah, I like, I like it when it's all like put together. So what's your, what's your all's favorite season? Do you like spring, summer, winter, fall? Uh, fall's always been my favorite and I think it it's still yeah it still is like the I also have never seen foliage like the foliage up here which you guys will see when you come to uh, my wedding in the fall but yeah I'd say fall and then um, summers in I wouldn't have ever picked summer before but the summers in Maine are really nice because they're like in the 70s and yeah not over 100 degrees so it depends on where you're talking about summer. But probably <laughs> fall is just a, like, safe, good, good, solid answer. What about you, Joe? These are such tough questions. Do we get, like, points yeah. if we're right? Yeah. <laughs> if you're right. We're not a bunch of pretty faces around here. You know, we got some substance here. We got some texture. As, <laughs> some as AJ, texture. We got texture, right? <laughs> to our game. 
Yeah, you know, it's going to be spring or fall. Summers can get a little too hot and winter's a little too cold. But I think I lean probably towards spring. But if I was in Maine or New England, I would probably say fall because it's incredible. Yeah. I, I, That's I, nothing short of incredible, that kind of, you know, change of season with the colors. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the fall in Maine. I, yeah. I, I've never. Been, I, that's one state I've never. Been, I've never really traveled to the to the Northeast. That's. Uh, I've been. To, I think I counted 42 states. Oh wow! And those are uh, up in in that New England corridor. I've never. Vermont, New Hampshire. Mm, I think. Yeah, both of you and your wives. It sounds like a good foursome two couples. Yeah. You know, in Maine, bed and breakfast somewhere. You know, a, a day. The wedding's just like a one day thing. And then you go to Acadia National Park, and you go into the small towns, and the weather's going to be nice, and the trees will look more brilliant than the ATNP sign behind yeah. <laughs> I'm going to look for Bob Newhart. Didn't Bob Newhart have a, a place up in bed and breakfast up in Maine? He did, well, and yeah. I believe Larry, Daryl, and, and Daryl were his there. His other brother, Daryl. Yeah, his other brother, Daryl. <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're dating ourselves. Sorry. We, we, we like to make ourselves laugh. So, all right. We're going to the third set now. We're going to turn this thing back to some tennis real okay. quick and then let the Denifers uh, travel off. We've already kept you an hour and a half. Indoor tennis or outdoor tennis? What do the Denifers like? Are you all indoor tennis people or outdoor tennis people? Outdoor. Really? Okay. I mean, it's just more because you're, you're outside and you're in nature. Um so I guess it depends on, you know, if, if I'm talking about Dallas, 110 degrees on court in the summer, I'd take indoor. Yeah. <laughs> or like right now, you know, in Maine, it's too cold to play outside. So indoor, but on a beautiful 70-ish degree day, you know, in a beautiful location, outdoor. So what surface would you play on? Hard court, grass, clay? I've, I've got a great answer for this one. Synthetic grass. Oh, Synthetic. you can ah, still slide. Yes. It's, it bounces low like yeah. grass. Yeah. And coincidentally, there is one of those pub, as a public court 20 minutes from my house, so we can all play when you come Amazing. I love it. We can slide and still uh, think it's grass. That's awesome. We have yeah. some texture. We have that texture on the I love that kind of tennis. Continental shot right there. What about you, Joe? Where, where are you playing? Indoors, outdoors? Uh, Got to be outdoors, and um, <laughs> as far as surface goes, it depends. You know, I think tennis is the type of thing where the I always said this. You know, the courts all look the same, right? Yeah. The same measurements. It's the beauty of the sport because you can go anywhere, not speak the language, play with someone. The rules are the same. The scoring's the same. The dimensions are the same. The balls are the same. Everything's the same, but. All the courts look alike, unlike golf, for example, which is a creative visual. Mm. Right? The courses are different. So I think playing in a place with just an exquisite view, I was fortunate enough to work in tennis camps uh, in the late 70s, early 80s in Austria and right near Kitzbühel in the Alps. And um, if you can be somewhere in the mountains or by the sea where there's just great view, to me, it doesn't matter what kind of surface it is. Um, you know, clay is always a little bit more forgiving on the old knees, but I'll take the view anytime. Love it. What's your all's favorite tournament? Favorite tournament? It could be a local one. It could be like a little itty-bitty tournament, or it could be like uh, Wimbledon, U.S. Open. You know, what do you, which tournament do you oh, like? I'll go Wimbledon, and I was fortunate enough to be able to 
um, like Q and Go when I, I was studying and did an internship in London in college. And it's, it was just really special and unique. Have you, have you ever heard this music? Yeah. That's right here. You know what? It's only 20 here. Bud Collins and Dick Enberg after on the on the broadcast. Oh my! Oh my! He's the angelic assassin. You know, right there, dude. Clinda, you might not know that. That's the NBC theme song. Right, was, there. right before you were born. Yeah. That was every. Uh, I would say every Sunday. 14, 13, 14 Pretty, days yeah. in a row. But on, breakfast uh, at Wimbledon special. Oh yeah, Dickenberg yeah. and Bed Collins. They were. But I, I will say that going to Forest Hills as a child, my mother took me every year because we were about forty-five minutes away. The old the Forest Hills U.S. Open. There was it was so special. Westside Tennis Club, Jewel Avenue off the Van Wick Expressway. Uh, yeah, we watched, you know, from the Stasi, Stan Smith, Orantes, Pastorell, oh, wow. McEnroe, Connors, Everett, Billie Jean. Oh. Yeah, all the, all the big names, yep. Yeah, that's that's a. I, I was never fortunate to go to Forest Hills. I've I've been to the U.S. Open, but it's only been at Flushing, which is yeah. still pretty nice. But yeah, I want to go back and, and visit. I'd like to go do that. Joe, I'll text you a picture of my probably my second time at Forest Hills. It's back when I had hair, and uh, <laughs> Billie Jean King is sliding right behind me on that gray clay court, uh, and wow. it's me with like a leisure suit. And long hair. So I'm going <laughs> to send you that when we get done tonight. Did you, did you have like an open lapel with the, with the big... Uh, I may have even had chest hair at age six. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. You had a leisure suit at age six? Oh, man. I got to see this picture. Hound's tooth. Hound's oh, hound's tooth. tooth. Oh, hound's my tooth, goodness. Hound's tooth, tooth. <laughs> Who's your all's favorite tennis player? Federer. Federer. You like the, the, the Fed? Like the Fed, yeah. Well, you think he's coming back ever? Will he make a comeback? Maybe. Unlikely, honestly. Like, he's had such a great run, and, like, it's... Maybe, but I don't know. I, I wouldn't rule it out. But, I like, he was starting to, you know, become a legend when I was playing tennis. So I, like, saw the progression and, you know, his, his rivalry with Nadal and just seeing all of that. I feel like that particular era was, like, I grew up with that. So it's... Very special. What about you, Joe? Doesn't it have to be a pro player. Doesn't have to be. It can be anybody. Yeah, just favorite tennis uh, player. Kalindi is my favorite player. Oh, I love and, that. And you, guys, and you guys are tied for second. Oh, you are wow. so kind, wow. Joe. You came in second. Oh my! <laughs> That's a very creative answer. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> players, but... What sport would you all have played if it wasn't for tennis? What 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 sport would you be involved with? Probably, you think. Because we're all sports people. Because we, I'm sure you played other, other sports. You know, maybe growing up, or you know, been. You know, uh, is yoga? I think yoga is a sport. Of course, I, I think that's a great sport. Obviously, you do a lot of yoga. Is and, there and pickleball? And pickleball? Uh, yeah. yeah. What do you think? Um, I mean, I've been getting into other rock and paddle sports. Yeah, pickleball, platform tennis, ping pong. Ping pong is really fun. She's gotten very good in a short career. Fiance Josh is like national level as far as tournament play. He's very, very good. Oh wow! And she, uh, he's helping her, and they go to a table tennis club near them. And she, I played tournaments as a kid, and I was always 
fairly competitive and we play even now, uh, Kalindi and I, so it's a lot of fun. They have a, a beautiful table in their garage in their, in their home, so. I'm glad you told us that because if when we come up there, yeah, and Josh says, "Hey, you want to play some ping pong for some money?" Like, you're like, "Oh, table we'll, tennis." We'll, we'll play well, each other. Play right. yeah. Well, I'll just say, "All that play AJ." Well, I was going to say, "We'll just play each other." <laughs> or play yeah. two against one, maybe right there. So, what would you all have been doing if you weren't involved in sports? What do you think? You know, obviously tennis, you know, uh, has been a great part of your all's life, uh, Clindy's life, basically in general. Joe, you know, a, a major part. Would what would you get? What, what would you all be doing? Do you think if it wasn't for for the great game? Me or you, Clindy? Either one. Uh, you go first. I would have been an unhappy attorney. <laughs> oh, lawyer! <laughs> You've been a litigator, huh? My mother, yeah, I was pre-law, you know, but. Um, it wasn't destined. I was too independent and kind of entrepreneurial, ultimately. Would you like uh, like you've been a trial lawyer or what kind of law? Corporate law, sitting in an office. Up there? I don't know that I would have lasted had I, you know, gone to law school and done that because the, the, just the yeah, doing something meaningful. My uh, Maya Briggs is an idealist and counselor, so you know, somehow or other, I would have swerve towards trying to do something meaningful is just kind of my nature or perceived as meaningful i think everything's meaningful yeah i can see you yeah. being a, a lawyer and then becoming a law professor Idealist i can see that yeah counselor yeah. yeah i can see that but i mean you know teaching tennis coaching tennis is you know uh can be extremely meaningful mm -hmm. depends how we approach whatever we're doing mm -hmm. yeah well, for, for a lot of our students, I know it's therapeutic just to get out and take take their yeah. take their hour hour and a half, you know. To uh, actually, if if you wouldn't mind, uh, I'll tell you a story that changed my life about 1988-89 down in San Antonio. A gentleman by the name of Oscar Ehrenberg and uh, Oscar uh, hit with me 45 minutes uh, about once a week, maybe twice a week, and this is in San Antonio. And and one day I was looking at at Oscar's arm, you know, just for some, you know weird reason i noticed a bunch of numbers on his arm and i said you know oscar i go i was a history major and i kind of understood kind of what the ramifications were and i said oscar is that what i think it is survivor goes, of the holocaust yes and he goes that that's correct and i said where were you and he goes yeah i think he said nuremberg and i go okay and he goes but he also said during that those conversations he goes craig this is the best 45 minutes of my week oh. and, I'm, and i'm like wow i didn't do anything special other than just hit with this guy and we had a great time oscar was just a super nice guy very successful oh. financial uh, uh advisor there in the san antonio area and i always wanted to thank him you know for that because he changed my my approach to tennis and what we do so what you're saying joe is a really it was really meaningful to me and it kind of turned me from like hey craig you know i want to take this competitive type situation it's like ooh, wait a minute this guy was somewhere that i wouldn't want to have been yeah. and he said hey this is the best 45 minutes of my my week or you know my day and i'm like wow i'm just hitting some balls with this guy and, and he's having a great time i go and here's he's seen the worst of humanity and i'm like hmm, okay maybe i'm not doing you know you know this is a, a better, bigger deal than what i th thought it was going to be and so it really changed my 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 uh thought on on you know what i do so 
So, so thanks for letting me go down that rabbit hole Thank for a you. second. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think. Great well, oh my goodness! It, it just like I said, it changed my thirty something years ago about what what I feel like I you know we do out here is uh, can, and can be therapeutic. You know, in a lot of respects. So. Uh, and I'm sure you've had that in, in group situations. You know, uh, you've taught a zillion lessons out there as AJ and Clendy. You know, so I, I think that uh, you know what we do, other than providing you know some good physical, you know, uh, opportunities, we the mental side of what we do as well is it can't be emotional. Un- yeah. yeah, can't be uh, uh, underestimated. So, Clendy, what about you? You wouldn't have been involved well, in sports. I mean, the natural thing would be, you know, the, the wellness side of things. I, I feel like that. But, I mean, I'm kind of already integrating that, so I don't know if that's a – that's not like, a, oh, this is like a super, super different thing. Um, but, yeah, I think I think that if I was gonna, going to say something like super, super, super different, yeah. maybe like, I don't know, a college professor or writer or something, something in that – in that area. Yeah. I can see that because you all write your poetry and, yeah. and I could see you, know, you wanting to teach and, and, and give back to the, to, to others. So yeah, I, I could see that uh, real easily from, from your standpoint. All right. Last question. And then we're going to let you go. Cause we know it's getting late up in May yeah. and we don't want to keep you too long, but uh, if you could wave the magic wand, this is for the great game of tennis and you could make a change changes or just leave it the way it is. Uh, what would you all do? You want to go first, Colony? No. <laughs> <laughs> She's gonna let you go first, Dad. Come on, you okay. that's, uh, that's an easy one for me. Okay. So I've always had a, a gripe that um, the NCAA doesn't um, allow tennis, apparently, or tennis doesn't fight for it enough, to limit college scholarships to foreign players when the U.S. players' parents are the ones who are paying taxes, which support the colleges here that the foreign players end up going to. I'm not saying some players from overseas, but our players are not getting quite the opportunities, and therefore they drop off in college, and rather they drop off from playing in, in high school all too often because they don't feel like they have a good enough chance to get a college scholarship since I don't know what percent of division one scholarships go to foreign players, but it's well over half, isn't it? It's quite a few. You, you, you hit my magic button. Now I'll send you something. I, I did a little paper about 10 years ago and, and just counted up players and who they were, for, where they're from. I'm pretty good in geography. I kind of know, you know, Oklahoma from, uh, you know, Australia or different places. So, you know, I, I did something along that line and uh, I'll send you some information. It's kind of interesting. There, there, at that time, there was a high percentage of, of players that were from outside the U S let's put it that yeah. way. So it was, it was, it was something I just uh, wanted to do in my, it took me about a month to figure it out. Cause I, I didn't spend uh, every moment of every day looking into it. Cause I do have a regular job, but it just, I just was just curious and, uh, uh, Pat McEnroe had said he wondered where all the the professional players were, and so Clinty, when uh, AJ, your dad, and I grew up, that I I consider that the golden era of college tennis, and that's where all the, the players were. That uh, the minor leagues of professional tennis, the Triple A's, the Double A's, that was down there in the college world. That uh, those opportunities for American players are, have have dried up, and as a result, I think. Uh, it, our opportunities to be in the top 10 top players uh, 
uh, have uh, diminished. Nothing against foreign players. I've got several foreigners who work for me. And I said, hey, you guys oh. stay here and you guys pay taxes. So, you know, you're giving back to, to the great society that, uh, uh, you know, is, is uh, the land of the free and home of the brave. So, yeah, that's, you know, you hit, you hit, hit my hot topic, you know, as well. So it, uh, you know, I think you've got some, some interesting thoughts about probably the NCAA and uh, USTA. Would you think they'll ever get together? Would in, would USTA and NCAA ever, you know, talk to each other? Or do you think, I mean, could you? I, I don't know, but it just, it's, it's one of those things that just, I have n- never heard an argument in favor of the way it exists now. Yeah. Uh, right. And there are all sorts of reasons to yeah. change it. Or have the parents... Um, you know, hey, usually the foreign players that come in come from families with money because they're getting sufficient training. Sure. Anyway, so why give them, uh, you know, a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars scholarship, and they're not paying taxes into this? It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, uh, it hurts on so many levels, from the the, the coaches trying to retain the kids all the way through high school, the high school teams. It, it just, it, yeah, it filters down and creates so many limitations instead of abundance, which would be the opposite of the way it exists now. Yeah, yep. Uh, we, we agree. I think AJ and I have uh, similar opinions, you know, on uh, that particular topic as well. What about you, Kalindi? Do you have anything that, uh, you know, uh, change or maybe you like tennis the way it is? It, it can be amateur tennis, professional tennis, it doesn't, or recreational tennis. Yeah. It could be anything. I mean, I think this is something that's already happening, and so it would just be seeing more of that across all levels, and especially, I think, like, to, you know, adults or kids that are just learning tennis is introducing the um, the importance of the off-court care and wellness piece into it the right way so that you minimize injuries, and tennis is such an amazing sport and exercise and doing it in a way that they can actually play it for a lifetime. Um, you know, that's already happening, which is, which is awesome. Like I know there's, you know, even some pilot programs by the USTA integrating a friend of mine's a yoga instructor and like the kids do, I think 20 minutes of tennis and then 20 minutes of yoga, like that's super cool. So just continuation of, uh, you know, that if I w- could wave my magic wand and make it so that it's already fully integrated and everywhere and that'd be great. Yeah. I do have one more thing. Mm-hmm. Yes, you. I would like to see the United States Tennis Association Institute mandatory parent training. Interesting. Smart. Interesting. We've not had so keep going. Just, you know, it could be an online sort of thing where they have to attend a, a seminar or whatever about parenting and kids. And that, you, if you go up to, in any sport, if you go up to the coaches and ask them what's your biggest challenge, they always say the parents. Yeah, that'd be that, like we have to now go through all those particular the certifications, which have been great uh, to, for us to online learn. If your kid's going to play a tournament, you got to attend one 30 minute, you know, yeah, online know, session. Know the rules, know the competitive yeah. advantages, yep. know what's not healthy. Yeah, sportsmanship, yes. yeah. emphasized yeah. awards for sportsmanship, you know, much more dominant presence rather than an occasional thing here or there. Right. Because yeah, there are some, there are some parents in today's world who had, haven't competed, and they they don't know the rules. They don't care to know the rules sometimes, and uh, they they think little Johnny or little you know Julie is is uh, 
can't do any wrong. And that's evident that they uh, uh, it has some different opinions about the tennis world and how, how uh, things work, Is uh, especially in unofficiated matches. I always thought unofficiated matches, that's kind of a gripe of mine, that uh, tennis puts a lot of pressure on little Johnny, little Julie to uh, – call their own lines and uh, there there is some opportunities to bend the rules so to speak and and the lines get a little smaller i think at some point and, you know, uh, it's so funny you say this craig uh, i i sometimes work with a sports agent who played pro soccer and played with pele and represented oh, wow. the u.s national team at the highest Men's level national yeah. Team, yeah and he is not a tennis guy but he can't believe that tennis starts unofficiated and he wants exactly what joe said about parent education he wants that in the other sports too sure. and he's obviously way more tapped into lacrosse and soccer be really really creative like any foreign player that gets a scholarship or any kid any athlete of any sport that gets a scholarship that they have to volunteer in some youth sports program or for a high school uh, five or ten hours per semester. Yeah, it's not much. There's so many out-of-the-box ways to do it where it just, you know, adds to enriches people rather than makes people more selfish. Yeah, I, no, I, I like it. I'd, somehow we could we, we could integrate that somehow with the USDA. We can. Yeah, we can, and it really it ties back into one of Joe's points earlier about uh, unity rather than division. Right. And this could be an initiative that really unites people, yeah. whether they're players, parents, coaches, or uh, all of the above. Which, well, if you've got a kid, if you've got a kid in a tournament, you, you're required to watch one one thirty minute, fifteen minute, an hour, whatever it is, you know, video uh, on you know sportsmanship what this topic that you're parenting you know uh your child through this this and it's also helping them out yeah. as well because uh, there's a lot of uh, opportunities for a lot of different things going on out there and i think what, you, what you're saying is is basically uh, something uh i know yeah, and, and that's whole safe place certification to be aware as far as potential abuse sure mm -hmm. from coaches or other parents yep. or other players with bullying all of that the potential positive impact it would have on children would be powerful. There are hundreds of thousands of kids, millions playing sports in the U.S. alone. Right? Sure. Yep. And I think it's education is never a bad thing. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but well, Jennifer, Joe, and Kalindi, you've been such not just wonderful guests tonight, but wonderful parts of our lives this past 20, 30 years, knowing you both. So thank you so much for being on our show today. And you guys are, honestly, I was thinking about it, among all the coaches I know, hundreds across the U.S., if anyone was going to hire top-level tennis directors, you guys would be in, in the most elite group that I could imagine as far as being someone who would create and, and retain, maintain, grow a successful program. So I don't know if people appreciate you both enough, but I do. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we've... We've uh, appreciated the friendship. Uh, thank you for your kind comments. Uh, tell us again where you, where you can find uh, the Denifer family and on court, off court. Um, yeah, you can. I mean, our website uh, www.oncourtoffcourt.com has like all the all the different resources. It probably has our email addresses on there too. But that's that's also really easy. It's my name, Kalindi at oncourtoffcourt.com, and Joe at onfordoffward.com yeah free youtube channel hundreds of clips instructional 
fun tips, all different our, types. Yeah. yeah, our blog, and we have various, we have actually a free DVD downloads on our website as well, as well as like free training series, um, you know, on, like, on the return of serve, on um, unlocking your potential, like all, all kinds of, you know, unique video series and article blogs and things like that. Well, I've got the morning off yeah. tomorrow. I'm going to meditate with a little mindful Kalindi tomorrow before I go. Are you going to listen to some of these? Yeah, the you... Dallas Open. <laughs> these I've listened to, but I, I'm going to. Uh, right. I'm going to have to find my Walkman to right. listen to those. <laughs> Walkman. <laughs> I, I, I no longer have a car with a cassette player, so uh, we're we're going to digitize those yes. and get them to do. Right. Joe, big applause. Yes. Kalindi, thank you so much. Big thank applause. You. Thanks for having us. Tell Josh hi. Yeah, we appreciate you all. Thank you all very much. We'll have you back for the uh, second uh, episode uh, with some poetry reading. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I'll bring my copy of the book and we yeah. can riff on it. And this was episode 108. That's 108. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. Great number, 108. Thank you all. Thanks, you guys. Thank you all very much. Bye. Good night. Good night. Thank you so much. Good night. CB, what a great couple of guests that was. Another couple of good ones. That no, number one hundred eight, you know, in the book. That well you know, done. Great time with uh, the Denifers, as always. You know, they're a couple of our favorite people. I oh, love them. Yeah. yeah, world class. As one of the people commenting said, I believe that was yesterday. Uh, I, I made a comment about Joe's post about this, which was you know kind of our video, and it was just one of the best coaches in in Texas, Jim Mortgott, who said. Yes. Congrats on booking those two oh, yeah. guys, Joe, world-class people. Oh, my gosh. You know, yeah. nine nine books on tennis and then also poetry, also different uh, uh, musician, uh, just a well-rounded, interesting oh, yeah. individual. Uh, yeah, it was great having Joe. And they've been speakers at, you know, conventions oh. all over the, the world. The world, yeah. Now with, with Zoom and, and being yeah. able to do virtual conferences, Actually, they've been a part of that. before, because I, I remember emceeing their virtual tennis symposium, but even before the virtual world and all this COVID, uh, Kennelbach, Austria, Israel, Spain, Mexico, obviously U.S., this guy, London, yeah. for the LTA, he spoke at uh, New York City. So they've been all over the world. I think he's speaking the Deutsches. I think he does. He does, he does German. Habla español. Everything. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine doing a a a um, you know talk in Spanish or in German. English, I can barely master that. I bet he broke some Yiddish out once or twice too. <laughs> yeah, right. That guy is a yeah. polyglot uh, yeah. international. I yes, he it. is. So well, you well, thank at you, home. You. Yes, thank uh, you. All. We're privileged to have you joining us. Yes. We are clearly privileged to have Joe and Kalindi yep. joining us. And uh, Craig Bell, as always, has been a pleasure. Yep. Let's go get a little James Scott Campbell here, and we'll get him uh, on the outro here. All right. Thanks for listening to Season 1, Episode 1, Zero 8 of Athenet Podcast. Join us. In two weeks, we're gonna. In two weeks, we're gonna be off next week because not because of the Super Bowl, the Dallas Open but final, the Dallas Open, and the USPTA, the USPTA conference. Texas Conference. So we're gonna take the week off next week, but we'll be back on with, the twentieth, twentieth with Lenny Sloss, our buddy Lenny Sloss of the Billie Jean King I Coach. 
Love it. Yeah, so Lenny, Lenny has a creative mind just like the Denifers, and we talked to uh, Lenny at uh, Joe's wedding several uh, weeks ago, and we, we talked him in to uh, join us on February 20th. So we've got Lenny Sloss. I think he's from North Kakalaki. I think South Kakalaki. South Kakalaki. Okay, there we and, go. And, you know, you mentioned Billie Jean King. I yes. think I mentioned it earlier. Yeah. In the corner of this picture is Billie Jean, and there is little me with hair and a leisure suit. Boy, you did have that's in, uh, Rocking the leisure suit. Uh, 19, till 76. 76. Yeah. 19 and 76. All the way. Right there. Uh, so we'll have Lenny in two weeks. Not yep. next week, but because we're going to be at the convention up in Frisco, Texas. And then we'll, our buddy Lena Evans, who was listening today, is going to be one of the one of the speakers. We have a, an excellent... Uh, I would say an array of speakers from uh, starting Thursday really all the way through Sunday. So yep. AJ's did all the work on that. So congratulations to AJ for set, Thank you, setting buddy. that up. Uh, there's going to be a few online. So can people get online if they want to and watch? Uh, I, I think we don't have people uh, uh, piping in. We have speakers piped in. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, maybe next time we'll That's do that. Right. That's right. Because we want to be convivial. We want to offer, we want offer to, education yeah, for everybody. open convivial. Also join us on Wednesday evenings at 8 o'clock on our Instagram page. We do a thing called, what, tennis shorts? Is that right? Tennis shorts. Yeah. We get to find out what's in Greg Bell's tennis shorts every Wednesday night, Big 8 p.m. Central, 9 on the East Coast. Lastly, be sure to like and follow us uh, here on Facebook. Most of you are watching us on Facebook. We also have a YouTube page, uh, Instagram, other social media outlets. But tell a friend or friends because we want people to be netheads just like you, right? Also, watch the Dallas Open on the Tennis Channel, or if you're in the area, come on down. We'll be there, I'm sure almost every day till Wednesday, then Thursday through yep. Sunday, we're at the conference. That's right. Yeah, we'll be there. And so that's the tennis news.